folks are on this Monday evening for the TTM show. LCP is always our sponsor. Delighted to have them with us. And as usual, Mr. Harvey and Mr. Kelly will join us. We'll have further guests shortly. But before we go on, with a lot to discuss tonight. But first and foremost, I suppose, Damien, we'll start with you. The passing of Johnny Corner the weekend was an awful blow, not just to, to, to his family, obviously, but it was an awful, awful news Sunday morning. Oh, it's a serious blow, Noel, to, particularly to his, um, to his family, to uh, his um, friends, and I suppose to Colliding Club in general, um, and particularly to everybody in this part of the world, East Rome, part of the world that all would have known Johnny, and a lot of people have been in and out of the town in Dungannon, maybe visit them as well to get their hair cut and so on. Not that I had to worry about that too often, but um, there's a lot of yeah, a lot of guys in and out of the town there, and there would have been uh, full. He was always full of crack and full of life. And I know any time that we met him, um, he was always one of those guys. You know, you were never afraid to stop him and have a chat with him because you knew what you were going to get every each and every single time you, you met him. He would he'd always had a word for you. He was never one of these sort of guys that was got ahead of himself or you know thought about the you know the fact that he was a superstar or anything like that. He was just so down to earth and a great fella, and like it came as an awful shock to the whole community. Um, the fact that somebody so young, so energetic, so full of life, mm-hmm. um, was taken to it from us so soon uh, and so quickly. And I suppose it, it uh, there was a lot of spray, suppose similar thoughts to you know Chris Calhoun, the fact that he was taken in such a sh- same, the same way. But um, you know Johnny Corn made his mark. There's no doubt in this part of the world, and his passing will be long. You know, uh, it'll, be, it'll be one of these days that'll not be never be forgotten. I don't think, and, and as long as this generation will remember him anyway. Yeah, uh, Kevin, I'm just thinking there that you know we we sort of not become numb to to to, to people who pass and all this, but but a lot of you have absolutely no previous health issues at all. At such a young young age, I mean, the last thing you expect to hear. It's a fellow of that age who was as active as Johnny was to suffer such a tragic death. Certainly was, Noel, and um, you know, having a thriving business going as well. I was talking to Max a couple of weeks ago, just outside uh, Big Max in Dungannon. He was shouting across from the street from, from his barbers, and uh, he's like a fellow that uh, he, just looked, he, he just looked the same as he had 10 years earlier when Colleen won a senior championship. And, you know, no weight on, look to be um, as fit as a fiddle. And um, as Damien said there, somebody that um, over the years, way back to when he's minor, won the All-Iron Minor 2004, he was always very approachable for interviews. And as you know yourself in this crack, and, um, especially lads at that age, you know, some of them are afraid to, to talk and things like that. But Johnny never turned down a, a, an interview even. And that uh, went on in these... Later on, when he was playing for Fina and winning championships and that, and I say a fellow that always seemed to have a smile on his face and could always, I think, was always a sign of a, good, a person. He can always speak to you no matter where you know uh, where you are and can put a name on you. And I remember him talking uh, a, while, a couple of years ago now, talking about, or maybe even be two years ago, about um, he was taking part in the Dungan fundraiser. I'm a celebrity. And uh, I remember his poster was up here, there, and everywhere. He, that was a massive fundraiser. The clerks really done well out of that. So, you know, even though he was a Fianna man, he's, he's, um, his business was in Dungannon, and he sponsored the club, and, and I see the clerks are nice to get up to him as well, just as, as a lot of GA people do. And, you know, this time, the GA just are 
they're just a special uh, unit. We'll never things to happen, but of course it's um, it's, it's over the next few days. But after that, we're, we're you know the family and you know they're the ones that's going to have to pick up the pieces, unfortunately. But it's it's um, it's tough news to take now for people that um, just knew him through the football, but I just I couldn't even imagine what it's like for the immediate family and friends and, and especially the Fianna club. Yeah, and you mentioned there. Uh, about the different clubs who, who, who spoke so, so highly of them. I have to say, it was, it was actually quite poignant reading the pieces and guys from Clonoe and, and from Dungannon and from clubs who have competed against them. And they all had a great word on them, which says an awful lot and, and it talks testimony, a bears testimony to the, the, the nature of that. And funny, yesterday I spoke to Mickey Hart uh, on, in, in uh, Val Buffet and he was very, very warm, Damien, and, and in the words they had for Johnny. And I suppose he also said, being a goalkeeper, you may have, would agree with us, quite <laughs> in his own sort of eccentricity, I suppose, as part and parcel of the, the goalkeeping fraternity. Yeah, well, as you know, all goalkeepers are characters, I'll put it like that, Noel. Uh, and um, like I was fortunate enough to be in and around that uh, throne panel in 2013, um, helping out with stats and so on. And he was, you know, he was in and around the panel at that stage as well. But, you know, for somebody who was probably maybe second or third choice goalkeeper, he worked as hard as everybody else, and um, he, he, you know, he, he always, always plenty of crack, and always fitted in very well with the lads. Um, and you know, like uh, like Mickey Hart mentioned it actually yesterday, the fact that he came he came back there and played not that long ago for Trun. I think uh, a couple of injuries kept a couple of guys out, maybe a suspension or two, maybe as well kept kept one or two players out. And he slotted in against Kerry. And I remember, I think that day was outstanding. That day, kickouts and everything placed, and the, 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 the kickouts were perfect. And, and then he just wanders off again out of the panel and never, never bothered. But, you know, with it after it. But he, that's the sort of character he was. He was reliable. He was, um, he very rarely let the side down. And uh, I know just reading, it really would, you know, it, it, it tugs at you whenever you read some of the stuff that his fellow players are writing and they're not afraid to share. I just saw some of the stuff maybe Plunkett Cain put up there yesterday and I thought, you know, these lads just shows you how much, how tight a unit they are and uh, any club would be the same as a loss of player of that calibre and somebody, a character of that calibre. And despite the fact he wasn't playing in recent times, he was still a huge part of that club and, uh, you know, anybody that has brings that level of you know, excellence to what he, everything he did um, would be long remembered in the Fianna and the surrounding clubs and probably throughout your own. Yeah, no doubt about it. And funny, I spoke with our good friend, uh, Sean Quinn today and uh, wishing him well as he continues to recover from his knee operation. And we, we spoke for, I suppose, 45 minutes talking about all sorts, but a lot of it was about Johnny Corn and John. Sean has some great stories and great tales. But again, he just, he, he was so fond of him he just thought he was a great character and he travelled with him quite a few times to, to various uh, events and games and that. And he says he just couldn't think heavy enough of him and was really, really badly shaken by his passing, as, as the GA public has been in control. And, and, and Kevin, it's just one of these, again, these shocks that, that happened to, to the GA in Toronto. It just seems to be that uh, just recovering from one and, and, and another comes along. It's, it's really, really uh, a difficult time. Yeah, that seems to be the way, you know, as, as, you know, we hear tell these stories happening, but it's only when it comes to your own doorstep or, or you know, close to a neighbouring club or whatever. And as you say, these things have, have happened. You know, we think of, you know, young Andy Hamill there, dying there last week over in Kilisa, only 28 years of age. And 
and uh, you know it's it's um, it just seems to be more seems to be happening more regular when you, you know you're only finding your feet or whatever and and somebody some the knock comes to somebody else's door and that's just I suppose that's just life that's just the way things is but um, you know drone seemingly our drone no doubt have had their enough of that that um, you know setbacks over the years in terms of that there and that's just it's just another one that we have to have to uh, just take on the chin and try and um, bounce back again and go on. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Well, somebody's very much with with the joining with the family and, and with the children and so on and uh, our thoughts. Indeed, and you mentioned Elder Hamill, Damien, and, and then it just uh, it doesn't seem that long ago since Damien told me about Elder's illness. Just really, really sad. And uh, as you say, Kevin, it's part of life, but it's it's uh, the GA being the family that it is certainly helps us to deal with them. And as I say, the whole GA family is certainly united. In their uh, condolences and sympathies for the the, the Corn family. Anyway, we'll uh, welcome our guest tonight. Uh, our guest was uh, our first chance to get talking to the Eagledress men, and uh, delighted to have with us uh, Sean McCrory and Dean McNally. Sean, first of all, can we start with yourself? And uh, Damien mentioned there that uh, when he was talking to Johnny, certainly the late Johnny Corn, it wasn't about business or hairstyles and. Yourself, you're very welcome to the club of Kevin, Damien, and myself. Hair, hair say not a problem for yourself, Sean. No, I don't want to give Johnny much business over the years, but just want to say from the Kildare Sport of Tones and the condolences to the Corn family and the Hamill family on their terrible loss over this last week and to the Kaleidon and Kalishal GA clubs. So just want to send the condolences on from Kildare Sport of Tones and hope they get through this difficult time. But people like yourselves are showing them get tributes and encouragement so get memories so thank you so. well can we listen uh it's been a reasonably good year for yourselves i suppose all things considered uh at the start of the year not the start of the year but when the covid settled from really has been a very, very positive time. i started off well like we got over last year's losing the final say to regroup again We've got new management in and a lot of work was done around the club. We just finished our draw or started, we just knocked down our old building, started a new building. And really, this year, with the certain things that's been on in the community, it's went from strength to strength and both on and off the field. So, I say two weeks ago, it culminated and won the championship. And I say it was a great, great year. From We learned a lot from last year's defeat in the final and probably learned from it. And rather than last year, we conceded goals at crucial stages. This year, we scored goals at crucial stages in the final, which probably won us the game. And I say the wee bit of experience from last year brought us through, and a few younger players stepped in all a year older. So, yeah, and our new building's very nearly finishing. So, we're going the right road, both on and off the field, ladies and men and youth and seniors. So, it's been a a very good year, so we'd just love to get it finished, but I don't know where we're going to end up at this stage, but you know, yeah, it's a bigger, bigger picture, I suppose, at the end of the day, people's health and livelihood, so a football club where a game of football goes into significance when you see what's going on around us, so hopefully, but it does, mentally wise, it keeps people on board a lot, and I think it's a great asset to have, so hopefully we'll get the year finished. And hopefully <laughs> Team McNally, team joint captain, uh, yourself and Philly uh, this year. Dean, I suppose John mentioned there last year's experiences and losing out to, to, to 
rivals and, and neighbours. It's, it's never easy, but I suppose it had to be focused for this year and uh, you came a year late, but you were hugely, hugely impressive. How important was the experiences of, of last year's defeat in terms of this year? This year's one. I think you're right. Um, last year definitely did stand us. No, you know, it's it's no coincidence that we ended up getting in the county final two years in a row. Last year, I suppose the whole talk after we got defeated by the Rock was that they were the more experienced team and they had the more experienced players on the pitch. I think this year, you know, in reflection, we were definitely the more experienced team, and I think that's what got us over the line with Trimra on the day. Last year, you know, we learned from it. You, you walk away from years like that with the head down and you have to regroup and you have to focus over the winter and it can be very hard but I think we took steps in the right direction. We did refocus and we regrouped and it stood to us a lot this year. Well, can we listen when, when you when you mentioned that about, uh, or Sean mentioned there, but your younger players being a year older and a year wiser. I mean, I remember watching the game up at Stewart's time last year and the championship and uh, you were impressive. The young guys moved well. They were taking scores and all of this. But this year, you just that wee bit, that wee bit better developed, a bit of physical strength, that bit of experience, and the quality in the forward line. And you had it every way in terms of plenty of pace and movement, but you also yes. had the big who who could do the business with a bit of bulldozing, as the man might say. Yeah, I suppose we are quite a young team. You know, the average age of our team is young. Um, last year, that's probably what went against us, against us a bit. This year, we are a year older. Those younger lads, you know, they're in every lane of the pitch this year, and they've come on leaps and bounds. And new management and new principles and new gym programs, it has helped us. And you know, we have a long way to go. All them lads, including myself, need to get back at the gym work and stuff and refocus for this year. And with a lot to learn and a lot of growing to do to, to make our way in intermediate football this year. Yeah, Kevin. I suppose I mean you've you've been there with with uh, Galway and you've you, you've seen what it takes to win a, 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 a intermediate league and championship. Uh, we also come on, we watched last year. We watched them for a couple of years. We know the the quality is there. They're starting to show it. Those guys are going to get better. I mean, if things work out for them and they do get up because at this stage it's still very much in one of those unknown quantities. Uh, they certainly are a team who can make their mark. Oh, there's no doubt, and I suppose we'll touch on that in a few moments, but I think it'll be an awful travesty if they don't get up. Um, you know, it's a sign of a of a very good team that can bounce back from losing the championship final, you know, just like Taddy Ray did in, in 16, come back the following year and win it. And, you know, you know, dress last year, losing to their, their neighbours and rivals, it would have knocked the heart out of most, most clubs, but they obviously went away and they regrouped and, you know, the thing about that Kildrest team, you mentioned there, but the young lads throughout the different lanes, but the likes of, you know, Dean there and Desi Tracy and, the, you know, the lads, the experience heads everywhere as well, but they've a real good mix. And um, I think Kildrest are, are, are a club and with their, with their development off the field as well. They're, they're, they're a club that wants to push on now. They don't want the junior champ. They want the junior championship title just to be the start of things. And, um you know, they have got the right age profile. They've a lot of young players coming through there, a lot of good youth players as well. And I think a club like Kildress um, needs to be taking that step now and, and get back up to senior football where they were at the, at the start of the last decade, you know. And, um, you know, Kildress were always a team renowned for, for playing good football. And I know when we were playing and I was playing, it was always a very, very difficult place to get, get points out of. And um, I think... You know, they have to embrace. They're they're going up into intermediate football, and they're not going up with a side that 
um, are, are long on the tooth. They're going up on the side that um, are full of youth and, and have a few. I've no doubt they'll, they'll more than hold their own in Division Two next year and, and uh, maybe maybe push on. Uh, well, to see. Sean, uh, Kevin mentioned there just about uh, well, players who are long on the tooth. Having said that, experience is very important, and, and the likes of Des Tracy, and I'm not sure that phrase applied to him, but Desi, uh, the man from Aaron Rogue, really, he tells the football that he played this year was, was a joy to watch, and the leadership that he gave, sort of resilience, particularly when, when things in various games or the occasional game were, were, were tight, he was a great man to do what had to be done. Just the right man in the right place at the right time. Esther he's playing for us 22, 23 years and his level of fitness, he seems to be getting fitter every year. Like Des has been quitting this five or six years but he comes back physically stronger and better every year. He probably never lifted a weight in his life apart from six inch blocks. Like <laughs> he does keep himself in great shape, he does. And again, he's, you need that bit experience. Des is 40 years of age. We had Marty Grimes playing at the start of the year who was Playing very, very good football at 38, we unfortunately broke his ankle. You have Frank McGurk, Damien Kelly, all in the in the background there as well. You have Dean there and Philip, Gail McNamee, all, Owen Bunning, all in around 20 at 29. And then you have the next batch of lads, 19, 20, 21 years of age. So we're in a good place, like Jared Grimes there is probably the next oldest in his mid-30s, but after that, like I'd like to think we'll be around for them boys will be around for another five or six years, them older lads and the younger boys will come through and we'll have a fairly good youth coming through. Our minors was very competitive in grade one this year. Missed out in the league final by a goal difference, I think, and when we'll get them off their extra time. Mm-hmm. So a few of them coming through next year, so we're they wrapped on it last year, went up with a mixture of youth and experience and had a few young players come through and stood them this year. And they say all going well. We'll be in the media next year. As I said, it was Monday after the junior final. I never want to see the junior trophy again in my life. <laughs> but unfortunately, the way things are going, we could be the first team to defend the junior championship, which I don't want that either. But powers to be, we'll see what will happen anyway over the next few well, months. But. Uh, what I say is that once, once we can finish up tonight, if you have a word to Mr. Harvey there, he's quite good at talking about the situations he got. <laughs> We'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, he's a, he's a very neighbourly person, Sean. And <laughs> he's, actually, he's actually a far relation of mine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I didn't know that. I don't know if Damien knows that. <laughs> My mother and Damien's father were cousins, so... <laughs> oh, then, listen, you can definitely be an intermediate next year, then. Yeah. <laughs> I got the same hair cut like that, so. Uh, you know, Noel, that I, I actually uh, said that this was going to happen earlier in the year anyway. I, I said, kill the rest and win the, win the championship. So, you know, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, well, there you are, Sean. When, when, when in Harvard, it's normally the stud that puts the stud. I think I was a double bluff, Noel. I think he was he was trying to talk till the rest up and hoping that the fire rocks would slip in the back door. No, I heard him a few times this year, like, and he always has been our cheerleader for us, so he has been very, oh. very. Dean, Sean mentioned earlier there about uh, about the work that was done this year with the club and the draw and everything else. I mean, yes. uh, the rest of the been a club that has been to the fore. I mean, Kevin mentioned it there. I remember being in um, Eden Dork one night when they were around Carrick Moore very, very close in the championship. I think it was a disputed goal. A goal that was disallowed maybe cost them the game that night. And I remember going away thinking, 
you know, Kilvess, and I, I, I still see Kilvess very much as a senior club. Now the things are going, you know, there's nothing wrong with being aspirational and saying, listen, that's where we want to be. We have the facilities, we have the people, we have the quality, we have the depth. That's that's where we, that's where Kilvess should be playing the football. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I suppose any club in Toronto or any club anywhere in Ireland aspires to be in the Division Championship, and that's, that's where we want to be. Like Kevin touched on, it's, it's not that long ago from Kilrest was playing senior football. I started off my career playing senior football from, for Kilrest. Unfortunately, we've had a few rocks over the last few years and we've ended up down into Division 3 for many reasons, I suppose. Um, Sean said it has been a good year. It hasn't just been a good year, I suppose, for Kilrest. It's been, the work that's been going on has been going on for the last three, four, five years to get us really back up into intermediate football. I suppose over the last few years, you know, we hadn't got a whole pile of players coming through. You're talking about all them men like Desi Tracy, Marty Grimes, Damien Kelly. Those boys are all, if they're not 40, they're not far off 40. And unfortunately in Calais, there was a gap there. So really, you could count a handful of men between that and me and I'm 29. So there's 10 years there really where through emigration, through boys not wanting to play football, through numbers of different reasons. We just hadn't had the players coming through. So Division 3, I suppose, it's no shock that we ended up down there. Um, we have been regrouping over the past few years. There's a serious amount of work going on with our youth at the minute, through our youth coaching and youth officers. And I suppose looking ahead, the next three, four, five years should be more positive than the last three or four years. Because we have the players there at minors and we have the players at under 16s and we have strategies in place to try and get those players brought through into senior football and hold on to them and hopefully not lose them the way we have done in years gone by. And we'll need that if we're going to stay in intermediate football and we'll need that if we're ever going to get into senior football. But I would be fairly positive that that's the way that Calais is heading, hopefully. Yeah. Kevin, uh, you know, it's fine having policies and plans and procedures and everything else and having everything on paper and, and, and with, with good hopes and aspirations. But ultimately, at the end of the day, as Dean says, it boils down to numbers and it's a numbers game. And if you can't put enough players in the field, well, you can't field teams. And it's no wonder then that you end up uh, getting involved in a slippery slope to relegation. And once you're down there, it's very, very difficult. You know, but numbers are important, but at the same time, quality is key. Quality is key, Noel, but um, the one basic you have to have is, is hard work. No matter, you know, uh, it's on the field or off the field. And, you know, Dean mentioned there, like our club were similar to that. There was, there was, a, there was a period there for maybe five, six, seven years where um, a lot of our players were close, uh, close to 30, a lot of side of 30, and the rest of them were too young, and there was nobody in between. And, you know, them's the sort of, them's the sort of years we have to knuckle down and work hard and just hope that that's the days lay ahead. Um, I remember going back a bit, but I remember... Uh, I remember Gabby playing Kildress in an under 14 grade two final back in '97, as the year we got to senior final, and that's that's 23 years ago. And uh, Gabby won that game. Now we we got five or six players actually: Kieran McCrory, oh. Paul Robertson, uh, Marty Brannigan. Off that. <laughs> what, what what I'm going to say? But then, in, in the same year, the, the two same same two clubs met in the under 16 final down in Clonow, and Desi Tracy was in the middle of the field. Uh, and that's 23 years ago, 97, I remember it as well. And, and Kildress had a, had a brilliant team. Great, uh, them boys that, that Sean mentioned there were all part of that group coming up. And, 
you know, lo and behold, the, the two clubs met in, in 2011 in an intermediate final up in Oma. Kildress uh, came out on top. The two teams had been relegated out of senior the year before and they the met in an intermediate final the following year. And, but you can't get on this slippery slope because, again, I remember well, two years after that, losing that intermediate final, Galby had a big fitna in a, in a playoff up in Ahart to stay out of junior football. So, you know, there's them few years just when you have to wait for the, the Calvary to arrive. Like, you know, it is a numbers game. And if, you've got, if you work hard at your youth and get enough players through, and, and uh, say like Kildress there are sitting at the minute, Sean mentioned there, there's nearly three tiers there. There's the lads that are in their mid to late 30s, and you've got lads there like Dean in their late 20s, and then you've got the younger boys coming. So there's nearly three groups of players there all molding together to make a, make a squad. And... You know, as the older boys then go on a couple of years to retire, you know, the next ones move up. It's just a moving process. And, and with the facilities that Kildress have, it'll only encourage lads and, and, and girls to keep at the football. And, you know, it's, it is, it is obviously, you do need the numbers, but you can't beat uh, hard work and craft, I don't know. Ah, no question about it. Sean, I mean, the, the draw and, 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 and the hub and all the rest proves that these things don't happen by accident. I mean, you can, as I say, you can be aspirational and say you like to, to do a draw that makes a million pounds. That's fine. But if you haven't got the bodies on the on, on the and the feet on the, on the street, as I say, and people who are willing to go out and knock doors and do that, you'll not raise those. And similarly, if you haven't got the prepared to take the youth teams and work with them, particularly during the dark days when things aren't going well, it's very easy to, to become involved with a successful youth team and say, "Oh, I'd be happy enough to take that." But it's a team that's not going to be successful. Where you're hoping to get one or two lads who might be a brilliant player or somebody who might be a super administrator, it's very much about uh, encouraging them all and bringing them all through, Sean. Oh, definitely. Because, like, like Kevin said, these things don't happen by accident. It's like the draw. Like that draw didn't take place just a month before I started selling tickets. It was maybe two years in the making of it, talking to a lot of people. The likes of Mark Conley, Frankie Corey, Paddy Davenmoth, Tracy, were instrumental in that draw. Like, it, they went to Barra, they talked to Tully Glass, or sorry, Money Glass. Like we've been draws before and just targeted 70,000, 100,000. This year, target was 400,000 profit. And by the time it finished, it was over 500,000 profit. And it just seemed to gain momentum. Like we started off 30, 40 hardcore sellers before Christmas and gain momentum. And the new year, we were, we're very lucky. Well, anyways, uh, circumstances and very little other clubs that draws just time and it had been this time this year I don't know what would happen but there's a few clubs like Sabin Yen, Nahaluday, Lachan, Kjargan all in the middle of the draws so we're very lucky but again it took hard work the same thing with youth teams like sometimes people can join take over youth teams for the instant glory went to grade 3 all went all around them and then come team them lads 18, 19 they're nowhere to be seen it's putting the work in at the maybe a higher level, which we're starting to do now, and it's paying off. That's why we have youth coming through now, or on the 14 was bit in the championship final, and they're on their 16s or to play in the, the league final. But they think about the way it's going to be played now, so they're both in grade two. So there is a production end coming through, and I say there's a tendency at times for clubs when the seniors are going well, forget about the youth. And then the seniors go well or go badly, put all effort into the youth. So it's getting that happy medium. And we're, as Dean said earlier, we're very lucky with great people, both boys and girls, putting serious effort into youth. 
and paying it off like on the production line hopefully will continue on so it's a work in progress and it takes a lot of hard work and i say with this year with the coronavirus and we had a great work from our, our COVID officers led by marie quinn our secretary and it's been put in serious, serious work and we've got through it reasonably well touchwood so hopefully it'll continue on that there but a lot more work to do and and if we do get into the media, which I fully intend to be in, it's going to take even more work. So that's the right people's there. So overall, we're happy. Uh, good position to be in. Dean, uh, you mentioned earlier the, uh, the, the management this year, Roger and, uh, and Tony. Good cop, bad cop. You couldn't describe them like that, I suppose, I There's a few variations of how you could describe those two men. Um, Tony could be the passionate one and Roger could be the brains. Um, to two two great great men, great men on the field and great men off the field. You know, coming away from football, they're just they're good family men, they're good community men, and obviously they're, they're extremely proud GA men from their own clubs. And I think whenever you have managers from an outside club coming into your own club, that's important. You know, them two men are honest. They put the hold their hands up, and you know, Gorton comes first, and Balance Green comes first for for both of them. But those two men coming into us this year brought with them an ethos and principles, you know, exactly what we wanted. It's hard, I suppose, and clubs all have their own approach on managers, whether to go in-house or outside men. And it's a difficult decision to make. In the last few years before this year, we've had in-house men. And, you know, they've done a lot of hard work and they maybe had all the groundwork done for Tony and Roger to come in and to, to try and get us up out of junior football. But whenever we spoke to them men at the start of the year, you know, it wasn't a quick fix. We didn't want people to come in and try and quick fix Calreas because that's not what Calreas wanted. We wanted men who had the same outlook as us, you know, looking ahead for two or three years' time instead of just trying to get the, the glory. And it's hard whenever you go outside looking for a manager for somebody who isn't coming in just for the sole purpose of winning. Obviously, you want to win, and Roger and Tony came in and they wanted to win as well. But... Throughout the year, you could see that the, the decisions that they were making was for the, the better good of Calreas, I suppose, and not just always about the next game. It was about getting younger lads involved and getting that equal fair share of older and younger players playing. And it's a very, very difficult balance to strike, especially for an outside man with people looking over the wire and pressure on them and things. But two excellent men. It's amazing how many good managers show that are just looking over the wire too, isn't it? It is. <laughs> Usually at least 20 or 30 every game anyway, so uh, all of different opinions, yeah. <laughs> good and bad. But very few of them are available when they are, are, are free that night that the uh, managerial positions have been discussed for the club. I would find. No, when you have a youth convention, there isn't that many in there looking to take your under 12s or under 8s or 14s or whatever. Like they're very good sometimes. You need them people there and sometimes they keep you on your toes and some good stuff, some... Shall we say not so good stuff, but uh, you need people to get a line over the way to keep you on your toes, I say, and it's, yeah. it keeps everybody calm and it keeps them down to earth at times and it's, it doesn't do any harm now and again. So. Well, they mean well, that's the most important thing, I suppose. Exactly. Kevin, uh, Dean mentioned uh, the three guys there, we know them pretty well, uh, Tony and, and, and Roger, and uh, I just, uh, I was earlier, or, or back, back in the late last year, and when was at it, we shared a table. Book. I have to say, it was a 
I've never seen guys want to play football. They were sitting down in their tuxedos when they finished. He loves his football and his hurling. Oh, there's no doubt. And, and uh, you know, as Dean said there, you know, because the, there's a lot of good club club men that have probably led the foundations for this junior championship winning team. And, you know, there's just Tony and, and Roger come in there and took the extra step. But I suppose then you've, you've Eddie O'Connor there is involved with that as well. And uh, Darren as well. You have to give him a mention. Um, I'm sure there's a couple of others as well. But look, uh, like Tony Scullion, you just only have to listen to them. And uh, it's just pure passion. You know, that man doesn't read, he doesn't read any script. It's just, you know, make the hair stand up in the back of your neck when, when he starts talking about football because it's just, it's just passion the whole way. And like, you know, so the man played at the highest level, won, won an All-Ireland, won National Leagues, uh, was a classy, classy player. And, you know, he just, speak, he just speaks sense. There's no, there's no back doors with him there. And then you've got Roger. Like I think Damien mentioned there one week, you know, he's, he's, that was that's his, a unique treble he's completed now. He's, he's managed senior, intermediate, and now junior championship winning teams. There's not too many people that say they've done that. And again, the man that played at the highest level with Tyrone, and, you know, um, Sean alluded to there early on, a, a very, very proud and passionate Gordon man. But the fact that he, he can come in, um, he said himself, I think, at the, the build-up to the, uh, the intermediate final, that he was with Gordon. They maybe needed a different voice, and you know, it was, it was a big step for him to take a take a step back as well. But you know, Kildress was a was a good outlet for him. It, it, it meant that he could uh, still his, his his GA knowledge into. For year champions, and as I said earlier on, I hope. I hope things work out. That um, it'll be a travesty now if they don't get up, and of course. Um, I know there's, there's there's a bigger picture out there with coronavirus and that, but um, you know if there was, I think I think a couple of weeks would probably straighten out. I, I can't see it happening then towards the end of this year, but maybe at the start of next year, try and get the league finished as well if possible. Uh, interesting there, Sean. Kevin alluded to it and mentions there about the situation. Obviously, we are aware that uh, the way things are, are are laid out, that if the league is not completed, I'm right in saying this: if the league is not completed. Then the winners of the championship do not get promoted. Is that right? Well, supposedly that's the way it is at the minute, but just the way things is the minute, it keeps changing from week to week. So, like at the start of the year, we were in the semi final of the Ulster League. We were to play Balearn on the Sunday, and the whole thing was closed down. So, we were probably denied the chance of maybe possibly playing an Ulster final as well, way <laughs> back at the start of the year. Like we went the whole year unbeaten. I haven't lost a game. I won every game I've played in. And it'll be an awful travesty to go the whole year unbeaten, win a championship, and not get a chance to go up. But we'll see what happens. I say it is a bigger picture out there, and football is not the be alls and end all. But I think it's the work we've put in all year, not to get the just rewards when you do complete your goals, is it'll be a bit of a kick in the, in the stomach. But yeah, yeah. I think, Sean, I think, Sean, you need to read the fine print. Go on ahead. <laughs> uh, I'll just leave it at that. Just go and read the fine print. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. It's, <laughs> there's several versions of right out there. It's like an insurance policy. You can read the oh, small there's print. A loophole. There's a loophole. 
Yeah. I think I think even you know Kildare have won the championship and as I say you know deserving winners but you know, you've you've got teams there next Cooks sitting in the league final Kildare are striving to get to the league final you've Kalisa there still involved in the mix uh, Glenally I think you mentioned there Noah um you know there's three or four clubs there that, that still okay. you know it's been a short it's been a short year in terms like you know Dermot who you know deservedly got to the final like the you know nobody would have picked them at the start of the outside of the championship, but they deserve to be there. And I'm sure Sean and Dean will, will admit there for 50 minutes. I'll tell you, they, they push Kilvestres, give Kilvestres a tougher game as they got maybe all year. But like you know, there's three or four clubs there too that have put in the hard work. And you know, I think for the sake of an hour, if it was possible even before next season starts, um, I couldn't see any reason why those teams shouldn't have a shot at trying to get up into intermediate football as well because that's that's what they set out to do at the start of 2020 and you know, you're only talking about a couple of games to, to get this season read up. I know there's a lot of intelligent men around Kildress that I think if they read the, if they read number 11 on the, uh, the, bylaws. the bylaws, they'll be able to work it out. Yeah, I think we'll be grand. I'm fairly <laughs> confident we're playing intermediate football next year. So, yeah. <laughs> who's up in August, I don't know. <laughs> well, let's hope there is some football for, for, for next year. Well, listen, Dean, uh, we, as we t- say, we talked about the panel and we talked about the management and everything else. But I suppose it's also worth mentioning the community. And I was just listening that day when we were at, at Healy Park and the days before when we were all championship matches. Because this bring a big support. Obviously, this year the support was somewhat restricted, but there's a bit about it. Well, up there, people who are prepared to put their shoulders to the wheel and weigh in behind the club to make sure they're successful. You're right, you know, and I suppose I mentioned this briefly in my speech on the day. You know, it takes a community to get us in the Healy Park and win trophies like we did this year. It takes a community to do a lot of things, and Kildare's club's no different than any other club in Trum. You know, there's a lot, of, there's a huge amount of work goes on behind the scenes, and anybody involved in a club understands the work that does go on. I suppose our ticket sales last year is evidence of it and winning junior championship this year is evidence of the hard work. But no, you're right, serious hard work was on behind the scenes with committee, youth officers, coaches, and you can't forget about the players. Like like Kevin says, you can have all the numbers of players in the day or all the talent in the squad, but if people don't work hard on and off the pitch, you'll not get too far in any club. Uh, no question about it, Sean. It's very important everybody pulls together no more and, and more so at, at, at times. But I'm sure when, when COVID first struck, that the evidence of the GA and that unity that it brings to Paris was very much in, in, in evidence in, in Quebec. Oh, definitely. Because when it first came out, the whole thing just like we were starting in the process of having a, an Oscar night. And we had a rehearsals, I think, maybe a week or so before it. We were having a plan on what plan St. Patrick's Day brunch was to do every year. The whole thing was just, within a week, the whole thing was cancelled. But people like the health, say, put their shoulder to the wheel. And it's more than just the people involved in the football club, it's the surrounding area. You have to have that support. If you haven't got that support, you're on a thin line. But I say the community in general have been very, very good. They've been understanding. Parents have been very understanding. Going, doing everything on the right roads, sanitising, health checks. Couldn't ask for more from people. So, you through this year, and start of next year, hopefully things will be back to normality. But it's it's not easy, and I say it's been a great, great year for Kildare. 
and as, as Dean said, it's not just overnight, it's been going on this three, four, five years. And I say that's not just to say the core footballers and committee, it's the community, it's supporters, and people lying over the way are roaring at you, why are you not doing this, why are you not doing that? Then people are as important as people that's out selling the tickets. So, and I say, on our women, our players, sometimes the players get a hard say, oh, they won't do this, they won't do that. Our players stood up to the mark when they was going to be player, ladies, coaches, not very good. So, we couldn't ask, thank more from the people. So, and again, people that weren't even involved in the club, weren't even members, got involved in selling tickets again from the wider community, just enjoyed the crack, enjoyed the night, get out for the night. And they really, and we've actually got people from it into the club as members and committee members from that there who wouldn't really have been to the club before. So it's been one month all around. Sean, just how, just how important, Sean, has the whole, um, I suppose the whole um, girls and women side of the club been to you? Because obviously, you know, through your own involvement with uh, Donna and so on with uh, at, the, at the county level, that's been a whole, you know, there's been a resurgence in Kildress over recent times. Uh, and now you're starting to see the ladies' teams back out again. I know there's a bit of camogie used to be played out there at one stage, but that sort of faded away a wee bit. But now the ladies' football's back up and running again. And there's been a bit of a resurgence in that area too. And our ladies, like up to, you could say, four or five years ago, were always sort of grade three, grade four field teams. But this last few years, have been serious work put in by our ladies' youth officers. Like uh, Donna Hagen, Joan Crowley, just named two there, the two youth officers at the minute. But as a whole, they've been serious work now. Our grade, our under 14 16 are in grade one this year. Our minor girls won beat our goal in the grade two league final. Our senior ladies were beat in the final, league final by Kalil and beat in the last minute by the Moyne Championship. We've been on to win the Championship. So our youth under age 10s, 12s, are serious talent coming through. And I say, again, that all comes from hard work. Like coaching, getting the right coaches and doing the right courses, and it's really starting to pay off. And I say it is production line is very, very healthy at the minute. Like last year we had two under fourteen teams, a grade one and a grade three team, and the grade three team actually won the league. <laughs> so, and now we've actually got two or three of them girls are now playing in that mayor team that won bit our goal there a few weeks ago. So, it's really paying off. And again, text comes from hard work, not just sitting by waiting for people to have. Like, well, we've instigated a good breeding policy in Kildare's this last while, like, so we've done our genetics and everything else. So we're <laughs> starting to work well. Like, well, it, it, turns out, it turns out that that new building isn't a hub, it's a lab, is that right? <laughs> it's a lab, we secret lab up there. With an AI unit on it. <laughs> Instead of taking... Instead of taking temperatures, we're taking other things from people as they come into the game. <laughs> but well, at least it's the better. <laughs> well, listen, anybody who's watching out there, uh, there's a sample night on. <laughs> right, we're going to bother with us. Well, listen, I, I can we, so. on, on behalf of Team Talk Mind, uh, thanks for taking the time to come along. Thank Congratulations you. on the championship win. Congratulations on the massive developments that are currently taking place and continues to take place in, in the club and a great example of, of integration and everything else that is going on there. It's brilliant to see it. Long may it continue. Yeah. And I'll be Kevin and David, myself and all the others who are involved with TTM. We wish you every success for the rest of this year and in the future. So Sean and Dean, thanks for participating and we'll catch you together. Thanks for having us, man. Thank you. Appreciate that there. Thanks very much. All the best. All the best. Right, Sean. All the best. All right, Kevin, Damien, Noel, all the best. Thank you. Good luck. Well, that's uh
John McCrory, Liam McNally from the address, join us to discuss their promotion or their championship one and their continued success on and off the field and long may it continue. Mr. Harvey, Mr. Kelly, when you're still there with us, uh, it was a busy, busy weekend and I think you uh, mentioned to you, of course, first of all, to uh, the, the senior ladies, strong senior ladies, who unfortunately were defeated at the weekend. Uh, a tough battle there in the Ulster Championship against Armagh, but they came up short in a big way. Um, also, I mentioned through the Camogues, I know Benny was there getting a few photographs. Senior Camogues were well beaten by Kevin, uh, but the under 16 had a good one, so great to see that. And Kevin, myself, myself of course, had uh, we had Crippy Morris on last week, and, and uh, Becky Gurney, and the two boys were out uh, running around the streets of uh, Philadelphia, the way of, of a Tom Hanks movie. But um, any word from uh, the, the Sore Feet Brigade? You know this. I, I said I would watch up on the. I'll watch up on probably after the shows is over. But um, I think they broke the twenty grand barrier. Um, when you think of uh, something that the uh, the sat out as Crippy said last Monday night, the sat out. I think the target was five. Um, the other, he, he actually sent him, sent me a message about an hour or two after the show to say that two and a half thousand pounds pounds worth of uh, sponsorship had come in. Within an hour, the show going out on air, so um, it just goes to show you again that's the power of the GA and, and uh, what a great um, what a great charity it was for. And uh, I'd say the two boys, I'll, I'll send them a message now. I don't expect to get a get a response tonight because I would say if there's a if there's a bath or a dish of water or something, I would say Crippy um Tacky's feet are are um, stuck on that most of, most of the day. I would imagine. I would imagine so. Tough, tough battle. Uh, but anyway, well done to them. I've no doubt that them and the others who joined them on the trip were <laughs> all, all well. Everybody finished home safe and sound and that the fundraising continues to be a huge success. Kevin, you and me were down in Kevin, Gaming, you were following on on the, the box. The under-20s on Saturday. Gaming, uh, just didn't finish strongly. I suppose Dublin did. The, 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 the quality from the bench and the dubs had probably proved the difference at the end. Yeah, it seemed to be the, you know, the modern game now seems to be very much dictated by these water breaks, you know, and, you know, the last 15 minutes, um, Dublin just powered away control in the last 15 minutes, unfortunately. They just showed their, their um, a bit of extra bit of fitness or whatever. I know the Troon boys have been working hard, but um, maybe a bit more cohesion in that Dublin outfit. And, you know, yeah, look, I scored thrown, I think, five points to one in the last quarter, five nil maybe in the last quarter. So that that tells it all. Um, but it was a tremendous performance, I thought, from the under-20s. I thought, you know, this was a Dublin team that on paper, you know, most people were talking about this here. This team, Dublin team, cannot be beaten. It'll probably go that way. They'll probably not be beaten now. They'll probably win it outright. But um, we got thrown, give it some, some uh, lick on Sunday or on Saturday. And they had a great chance going into the last 10 minutes to, to eke out a result, but just wasn't to be. And uh, I don't think you can fault the efforts of the lads on the pitch. I think they left it all out there. And um, with some some big performances. Um, and I think, you know, augurs well for the future. There's a few of those lads will be out in a throne jersey, hopefully, and a throne senior jersey in a couple of years' time. And uh, as Paul Devon said, a number of them are still underage next year. So hopefully they get a clean run at it next year, which I think was a Another thing that obviously went against them, that big, big break didn't help. Um, but 
you're when you're going up against Dublin All Ireland semi final and you're competing up to the last five minutes of the game and you're still in the game, things are going. You must be going right. So there's not as there's never as much in a, a defeat sometimes as you think there is. And I guess it's a well, it can't be. You can no, no defeats are a positive defeat, but you have to take as many of the positivities, uh, positive side of that one as possible. Okay, I'm one of the things that I was hugely impressive in the second half, uh, playing against the Breeze. The Breeze was, was significant enough. Was the disciplined defence that Tyrone showed. I mean, we forced four or five very, very important turnovers. And I thought it was incredibly, you know, it was a sign of, of a team that were prepared to, to, to go right to the, to, to the edge, but within the rooms of the game. It was brilliant the way that they did it. And I'm saying a good coaching, but also good players. Oh, there's no doubt the defence were, um, you know, they put everything into to sorting this Dublin attack. I know Dublin went in with, with, with big names about um, about this particular team. I hadn't seen them playing or, or um, hadn't followed much about them, to be honest with you. But I uh, I wasn't that impressed with them on Saturday, to be honest. Um, I thought Brown uh, were as good, if not better, than them for long periods of the game. Um, after the first water break, Tyrone, Tyrone took control. Um, half time probably come at the wrong time for Tyrone. No, it did come at the right time, sorry. Tyrone were four points up and down, or Dublin had kicked the last three points and a half. Um, if Tyrone had them within a four point lead, it would have been a massive boost to them. Uh, they just, a couple of wee things just went against them. Uh, Derek Jonathan, I think, picked up a wee knock there, and he wasn't himself for the last 15 minutes. Um, Simon Gardy, who must have covered every blade of grass there, you're talking about defending, he was back and he was happening out the defence and he, he he gave it everything and I suppose he, he, he had to be replaced. Maybe the legs had gone, but just going into the last 10 minutes, there were still two points up, and, but they just felt they were hanging on and hanging on. And you know, Kieran Archer, uh, very subdued in the first half and maybe by his own high standards, probably say he hadn't a good game, but he still come off the field with six points, his name, three from play. And, you know, in that closing stages, um, Tyrone were, were just hanging on. He just knew once um, Santa Hall Ford, I can't remember his name, had a great score from 45 metres out to throw it. And he just thought here, Dublin's just going to kick on. That's exactly what they've done. But, um, you couldn't fault the effort. Tyrone's defence um, were were very very good. I thought the the the, the tackle, the hurry, the didn't give Dublin any time on the on the ball. And um, you know, Ethan Jordan had a very good game as well. I thought took a lot of good scores, but um, they just they just maybe run out of legs in the, in the home state Noel and and uh, Dublin oh. maybe maybe like a good Dublin maybe had time to run. I'm not sure, but um, you know Dublin just seemed to. In the last 10 minutes, as, as Tyrone seemed to, to wilt through, or Dublin just got stronger. Their bench was hugely significant as well, Kevin, because when the bench, the guys come on the bench, they all contributed and can contribute in a positive manner. And you, you say uh, Tyrone started to run out of gas a bit, and the gaps opened, and Dublin certainly exploited. But deserve a winner in the end, I think Dublin, they, they're a good side. And, and I did say after that, I thought that uh, they'll improve actually from, from Saturday's performance. and. Galway was certainly over there against. No, you're probably right. I would say you know Dublin maybe by their own admission didn't play as well. But again, you have to a lot of credit that has to go to Tyrone. But you just think that last year too, you know, Tyrone were so close. You know, when you think that, that what was seven points up at one stage against Cork last year and just got pipped at the end, and that Cork team went on and won the All Ireland. So 
know, the throne management have, have took Tyrone to two back-to-back Ulster titles and within touching distance both times of an All-Ireland final. So, you know, they're not far away. Um, they have competed. They're one of the top two or three counties in, in the country. And I suppose if you're, if you're winning back-to-back titles at, at that age group, you're, you're hoping that the next progression is that you'll get a number of those boys to come through and play at senior level. That doesn't always happen, but um, well, it, definitely, it definitely looks good. Uh, well, senior level, Damien, we were down in uh, Ballard Buffet yesterday, a very strange, subdued Ballard Buffet. The only noise that we noticed was whenever um, Niall Morgan was hitting free kicks or kickers. The rest of it was uh, quiet enough, I have to say. <laughs> Not a new phenomenon, but uh, just uh, interested in what your, your take on this was, is Damien. But um, I heard of the, in the club championship here in Toronto this year where the opposition are, are, are very vocal towards the opposition, the goalkeeper. Uh, when uh, he's about to take a kick out or sometimes a free kick. And as I say, it's not new, but it's certainly becoming increasingly evident. They heard it also in Breffney Park on Saturday, the Dubs and their supporters as well. And the Donegal subs and the players yesterday were certainly vocal in their encouragement, in inverted commas, of Niall Morgan. I think that's probably one of the things you're only hearing now. You probably it was always going on. Just the fact of no crowd there, you're starting to you're starting to really get a feel for it. And I suppose it's, they're trying to do what they can to disrupt the the play. Um, it's interesting just to see what the sort of the referees take on these things. I think I saw a couple of times on. Uh, um, I was watching the um, Arma and. Uh, Common game on Saturday evening, and uh, referee was very sharp on any talking back or any any uh, any speech play really at all. Moving stuff in, moving stuff twenty meters, moving forty fives. That's kind of one stage as well. Um, so uh, you know, there's it, it'll be interesting to see what the consistency of refereeing is going to be like around this year. And you know, normally the league comes to an end, and the referees are given a new set of instructions for the for the championship. So it'll be interesting. It'll be good to see actually that coming in. To be honest, with you. this all uh, this it's just nonsense. This disruption and you know boys running onto the pitches and and then guys you know roaring shouting for kickouts. You know I start penalising it, move it up the field. Uh, I don't think it's anything thrown or ever sort of got involved in in the past. Um, I'm not saying we're the you know the only victims of it, but I think it's just a lot of nonsense. And I think it knocks needs to knock the head. It's one of the things the referees clean up very very quickly by just saying right, that's just. Keep moving it up there, ten or fifteen yards. Every time somebody opens their mouth or starts shouting, shouting, roaring, we'll just give a kick in front of the goals, you know, and that'll, that'll shut them up, you know. So I don't think it's. It, I think it, the fact that it's coming across now in these games with no crowds, it's just a seriously bad looking spectacle, to be honest with you, for the game. And I think we need to tidy it up. Yeah, well, I don't know how it looks, but certainly it doesn't sound. Can we? were listening to it yesterday, and and, and within seconds, you know, the sooner, no sooner. Then Morgan walk out with the ball, but the noise started. Oh, that's it. I suppose look, it's all gamesmanship, isn't it? It's not, it's not something you'd really associate with the GA, but unfortunately, that's the way things go. On when he when he was coming out before he even got the ball, they were hurrying him to kick it out. But look, now Morgan's a big boy, and um, he'll be able to cope with that. But look, it's it's it's. It was sort of eerie when uh, both matches when you can actually hear players talking down the field. Um, you know, we heard what Kieran McGee just said. He didn't touch the ball on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got a black card for it. And I have to say, there's no point in, in beating about the bush. Um, couldn't understand why 
uh, um, a Mayo man was sent to referee that game yesterday. Whenever Mayo were, or in the the relegation dog fight as well, it seemed a very very strange appointment to the powers would be to send a Mayo man to to Bally Buffet. But I suppose as as it is what it is. But um, look at at Donegal were were impressive when they moved the ball. Noel they were. They were full of running. They broke when they turned to run over. They broke in, in, in numbers and they broke at pace. And um, there was times they were they were well well on top. I thought uh, Tyrone um, Connor McKenna definitely a big plus point. I thought uh, not just the one two, but I just thought for a man that's only back playing GA, his on the ball, his his physique. Um, wasn't knocked to the ball. There was one. I don't know what it looked like on TV. There was ball went in from towards the end, and he didn't take it the first time. And he was under pressure two or three, maybe three or four times. But he he got it eventually. There was nobody um, knocking him off the ball. His goal was was a brilliant score, and there's no doubt he's a massive plus to uh, Tyrone going forward. Um, but again, it's it's uh, you know it's down to it leaves now um, a winner takes all scenario in Castlebar this Sunday, but. Listen, it um, was an ID game. I think, I think uh, a few Tyrone players were were maybe played in positions, maybe just to to get a few um, a few miles in the legs ahead of uh, obviously the, the big one in two weeks' time. It's back to Bally Buffet, and it's it's going to be very very tough to to get out of there. But whoever whoever comes out of that game now will will definitely um, fancy their chances of winning Ulster. Yeah, Darian, you're taking this one. Um... Donegal going to carry the weekend, uh, secure the knowledge that they are not, not worrying about um, relegation. Throne go to Mayo with a, a dog fight in their hands. Um, two managers with a championship a week away. How do the the, the, the both managers set up? And, or, well, obviously Throne have got to go gung ho. They've got to go all out. But where did Donegal come in, and what are they, how do they approach it? I think a Donegal can go down there and probably afford to just. You know, playing second gear, stay through that, not not worry too much about it. They may they may go out with a, I think they'll probably go out with a, a weaker team, give the lads an extra week rest. Um but you say Tron don't Tron don't have that option. Um Mickey Hart's always made it clear that he wants to win every game. He doesn't want to be playing division two football next year, because that'll knock uh you know, Tron's development, I would have thought, back, definitely, given the fact, you know, that you know, the noisy neighbours are are pushing very hard for Division 1 status next year. They'll not be thrown, not want to be swapping places with them. So um, I think that's a huge game down in, in Castlebar next week. Um, Mayo will be getting this warm favourites. Um, I listened to the interview after with James Horn. Uh, the, I suppose that's the beauty of sitting in the house watching these games. You, you hear everything after the game. And James Horn was basically admitted that you know, they had been working with the clubs throughout the summer. You know, so what does that tell you? So county county training was um, appeared to be uh, well. There was there were some provisions made for players to uh, to do their thing during the summer. Let's put it like that. And uh, it it appears that Mayo, you know, were prepping well for the winter. And certainly they come out yesterday and absolutely blew Galway away. Um, which then, I suppose, leads to the question as to what was happening down Galway the previous weekend when a certain uh, uh, former Donegal manager made his way down there to do a training session because it didn't look like uh, Galway were at the races at all. 
But well, they, uh, they, 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 didn't get, they didn't even get run on the races this year. Never mind, be at them. Maybe, maybe the tough, the tough session that Jimmy put them through. I saw a great uh, WhatsApp today. Did you see it for the rally care? But anyway, it was quite funny. Uh, <laughs> well, can we listen to both of you just before we, we, we wrap up for the night? And the miners obviously are out on Saturday through there down in, in Ballabuffet trying to throw miners. So we get down to that one. Hopefully we, we get a result in that. It was a disappointing weekend all told. But more importantly, Kevin, can we go to Mayo and get the result that we need? We've always done well in Castlebar, but this is a big, big ask, particularly on the back of two contrasting performances and results from both teams. Uh, it's a big ask, surely, Noel, but as you say, Thrones' record in Castlebar is pretty good. And... Um, they always seem to, to raise a game down there. Again, Mayo um, playing their, their face rivals, Galway, yesterday, and they're always going to get up for that game. And, and uh, no doubt they put it, put it to bed early on. So, um, you know, can you, can you put back-to-back performances like that? I don't know. I, I don't think. I think, I think there's, um, there's a lot of um, thrown of a lot more to improve on going forward and uh, just interesting me and you to chat about that coming down the road it's um, you know many ways maybe it's, it's a perfect game for Tyrone I suppose it'll only be perfect if we get the right result but you know after the um, the, play, the players not play, having played together for so many months you know Tyrone's going for a, a must win game in Castlebar a week before the championship and look if, if we get out of it without any injuries so what about the preparation would they be no you know, yeah. a, 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 a game against um, a Galway team who would still be in the top four, five, six teams in the country. Um, whereas Kerry are, are in, in Tralee, I think it is, the day before two o'clock. And, you know, it's, it's a tough one for Declan Bonner what to do. You know, they the, the played well in patches yesterday. And, you know, what do you do? Do you, do you take the foot off the gas? Do you make changes? Or do you try and... Um, Get the get the group going, playing the same type of football that they played at, at stages yesterday. Um, you know, you could turn around and, and rest six or seven players and find it very hard. You know, to get the momentum up. I know it's the championship, but look, it's going to be a completely different championship. There's going to be no supporters there. Um, you know, again, if Donegal were to go full strength and barring any injuries, if they were to go full strength and were to beat Kerry into Lee, you know, it's a big big ask, but. You know, what a lift that would be to have, you know, beaten Tyrone and, and Kerry on, on successive weekends going into the championship. So it's a tough one. You, you, I suppose you want to keep the squad on their toes too. If, if lads get a chance in Tralee and do well, but then it keeps the pressure on the, on the perceived starting 15. So um, go back to your original question. I think it's, uh, it's not where we want it to be, obviously, going into the last game, but I think Tyrone's more than capable of going down to Castlebar on Sunday and getting a positive result. Uh, a draw will do us, and um, I think we're more than capable of getting it. There is an alternative. There is an alternative, Noel. And that is, that is we all become Meath fans over the weekend, and uh, I hope that Meath beat uh, Monaghan. Oh, uh, I'll, 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 I'll leave that one with you because you know you're, you're a massive Meath fan. Absolutely, and, and I'm only a massive Meath fan when I'm talking to Bernard Flynn. <laughs> Well, listen, lads, uh, that's, that's the way it wraps it up, as I say. Uh, sad, sad occasion and sad as things are around, you know, the GA always manages to keep us looking forward and looking positive. So uh, we'll wrap it up with that. So the LCC show, folks, from Damien and Kevin and myself, uh, we'll talk to you later on in the week.